When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast, based on the Morning Report series from Elsevier. This podcast has been adapted for audio in collaboration with series editor, Dr. Raj Dasgupta, as well as the volume editor for each book. Each episode features an in-depth case dissection format and aims to deliver practical, concise, and easy to digest information. And now, here's today's episode. Hi everyone, this is Paul Frank. Today we'll be discussing case one, shoulder replacement, from our upcoming textbook, Anesthesiology and Critical Care Morning Report, Beyond the Pearls. Our patient is a 62-year-old man who is scheduled for right shoulder replacement for osteoarthritis. He takes apixaban for atrial fibrillation, and his last dose was three days ago. This morning, his vital signs are blood pressure 142 over 57, pulse 72 per minute, respiration 16 breaths per minute, oxygen saturation 95% on room air, and temperature 37 degrees Celsius. What are the anesthetic options for this patient? This patient could undergo the operation safely with general anesthesia. Alternatively, the patient could undergo the operation with regional anesthesia, in particular a regional nerve block, as well as intraoperative sedation. The advantages of regional anesthesia is that postoperatively the patient would require less opioids for postoperative pain control. Either way, this patient will require non-opioid analgesics, things like Tylenol, Ketorolac, and Gabapentin, postoperatively to keep him comfortable, as this is a painful operation. What regional nerve block is most appropriate? We want to make sure, in this case, that our nerve block covers the shoulder. The best nerve block that covers the shoulder is the interscalene brachial plexus block. It covers the superior and middle trunks of the brachial plexus very well, although it may miss the inferior trunk of the brachial plexus. The upshot is that it will cover the shoulder, but it may not cover the distribution of the ulnar nerve in the forearm and hand. How is an interscalene nerve block performed? Well, first, of course, the patient must consent to the block. Then the patient is positioned supine, slightly head up, with their head turned to the contralateral side. The lateral neck is prepped with a sterile soap, and then a sterile drape is applied. An ultrasound probe is placed transversely across the lateral neck, and the operator will scan up and down until the anterior and middle scalene muscles are identified. The needle is then inserted laterally in the neck and advanced medially until the tip of the needle reaches the target anatomy, which is again the brachial plexus between the anterior and middle scalene muscles. This approach is called an in-plane approach because the ultrasound beam is parallel to the direction of the needle. And for those of you watching the video, you can see that the needle is visible throughout its course into the neck. What are the contraindications to interscalene block? The interscalene block almost always anesthetizes the phrenic nerve. The phrenic nerve, of course, innervates the diaphragm. Patients with respiratory disease, such as COPD, or with neuromuscular weakness, such as muscular dystrophy, may not tolerate this block. They can become dyspneic and hypoxic. In addition, patients who are on anticoagulation generally need to hold their anticoagulation prior to this block being placed. 
the American Society of Regional Anesthesia, ASRA, has compiled guidelines that recommend a minimum wait time between the last dose of anticoagulation and the time when a block can be placed. So for our patient who is taking a Pixaban, the guidelines recommend that a Pixaban should be held for 72 hours prior to interscaling block placement. What is the mechanism of action of a Pixaban? Well, it is an oral anticoagulant, and it works by inhibiting activated factor 10A. Rivaroxaban also works by a similar mechanism. The patient consents for the block, you prep and drape in a sterile fashion, and you begin placing your block. During injection of local anesthetic, the patient suddenly starts complaining of numbness around his mouth and a metallic taste in his mouth. Then he seizes. What's going on? This is concerning for local anesthetic systemic toxicity, known as LAST, and it is caused by excessive plasma levels of local anesthetic. Given that these symptoms presented so quickly, in fact, presented while the block was still being placed, this was most likely caused by inadvertent injection of local anesthetic into the carotid or vertebral arteries. It should be noted, though, that LAST can occur even when local anesthetic is injected into the intended location. What are the signs and symptoms of LAST? Taking a step back, local anesthetic agents work by blocking sodium channels. Sodium channels are found throughout the central nervous system and throughout the cardiovascular system. It is therefore unsurprising that symptoms of LAST affect both the neurologic and cardiovascular systems. Neurologic symptoms of LAST include lightheadedness or dizziness, circumoral numbness, tinnitus, and seizures. Cardiovascular effects include vasodilation or vasoconstriction, prolongation of the PR interval, widening of the QRS complex, and even ventricular fibrillation. Thankfully, neurologic symptoms present before cardiovascular symptoms. What should you do for our patient who is currently seizing? Stop injecting local anesthetic and call for help. Support his breathing by mask ventilating him with 100% FiO2 and consider intubating him. Give a dose of benzodiazepine to break the seizure. Administer intralipid, which is a fat emulsion that traps local anesthetic in the bloodstream. You start with a bolus of 1.5 milliliters per kilogram of body weight and then start an infusion of 0.25 milliliters per kilogram per minute. Continue close hemodynamic monitoring. Remember, cardiovascular effects present after neurologic effects. So this patient is still at risk for cardiovascular collapse and may require emergent cardiopulmonary bypass if that were to happen. How could this have been prevented? Unfortunately, no single measure is 100% effective in preventing LAST. Ways to reduce your risk, though, include using ultrasound guidance to visually confirm proper needle tip placement, use the lowest possible dose of local anesthetic to achieve your block, aspirate on the syringe prior to injection and again after every 5 mLs of injection to ensure that there is not blood return, which would suggest that the needle tip is intravascular. Additionally, after every 5 mLs of injection, pause for up to 30 seconds to monitor for side effects, things like tinnitus or circumoral numbness. What are the maximum safe doses of local anesthetic? Every local anesthetic has a different maximum safe dose, and in some cases, the maximum dose is increased if a vasopressor such as epinephrine is added. So for example, lidocaine without epinephrine, the maximum safe dose is 5 mg per kilogram. Lidocaine with epinephrine, the maximum dose is 7 mg per kilogram. The maximum safe dose of bupivacaine is 2.5 mg per kilogram, 
the maximum safe dose of ropivacaine is 3 mg per kilogram, and the maximum safe dose of chlorprocaine is 12 mg per kilogram. Why would epinephrine be added to local anesthetic? Epinephrine is an alpha and beta agonist. Alpha agonism results in vasoconstriction. This reduces blood flow that would otherwise wash away local anesthetic from the site where it was injected. Beta agonism results in tachycardia and palpitations. This will help identify inadvertent intravascular injection during block placement. So back to our patient. He stabilizes and the surgery is rescheduled. He's now coming back for his interscalene block. You plan to perform the block with 1% lidocaine with epinephrine. The patient weighs 60 kilograms. What is the maximum safe volume of local anesthetic that you can inject in this patient? So thinking back to our maximum safe doses, the maximum safe dose of 1% lidocaine with epinephrine is 7 milligrams per kilogram. So our patient weighs 60 kilograms. Multiplying 7 milligrams per kilogram by 60 kilograms gives a maximum safe dose of 420 milligrams. But again, we need to know a maximum safe volume. So we know that we're using 1% lidocaine. That corresponds to a concentration of 10 milligrams of lidocaine per milliliter of solution. We now have enough information to calculate a maximum safe volume. We want to know what volume times a concentration of 10 milligrams per milliliter will correspond to 420 milligrams. The answer, with some basic division, is 42 milliliters, and that is the maximum safe dose of local anesthetic. It should be noted that this is much more than would ever be used for an interscaling block. You also notice that the vial of local anesthetic says that it contains epinephrine 1 to 200,000. What does that mean? What is the concentration of epinephrine? Well, the 1 to 200,000 represents the dilution of 1 gram or 1 million micrograms of epinephrine. So in our case, that 1 million micrograms of epinephrine divided by 200,000 corresponds to 5 micrograms per milliliter, and that is a concentration of epinephrine in the solution. So the block is placed uneventfully. 20 minutes later, while you're waiting for the operating room to be ready, the patient's eyes look strange. You notice his right eye is drooping, the pupil is small, and the conjunctiva is red. So what's going on? This is consistent with Horner syndrome. Horner syndrome results from blockade of the sympathetic innervation to the ipsilateral face. This is a benign, self-resolving, potential side effect of interscalene block. The interscalene nerve block entails injection of local anesthetic in the neck very close to the cervical ganglion, which supplies sympathetic innervation to the face. Anesthesia of the cervical ganglion results in Horner syndrome. So the patient tolerates the operation with just moderate sedation. Postoperatively, he complains of a hoarse voice. So what's going on? This is consistent with blockade of the recurrent laryngeal nerve, again, by the local anesthetic injected for the block. This is yet another benign and self-limited potential side effect of interscalene nerve block. The right recurrent laryngeal nerve is more susceptible to this than the left. What if the patient were to develop paralysis, respiratory arrest, bilateral medriasis, in other words, dilated pupils, hypotension, and bradycardia after interscalene block? This is consistent with what's called a total spinal, and it results from inadvertent intrathecal injection of the local anesthetic. So instead of injecting local anesthetic where we want it to be around the nerve roots, we're injecting it into the CSF space, and it effectively anesthetizes 
the brain, the spinal cord, and the brainstem. This requires immediate intubation hemodynamic support until symptoms resolve. What if the patient were to develop severe hypotension and bradycardia during surgery after interscalene block? Well, this could be due to the basal Jarish reflex. The first thing to remember is that shoulder surgery is usually performed with the patient in the semi-sitting or sitting upright position. There is decreased venous return to the heart, which stimulates intracardiac mechanoreceptors. This results in excessive parasympathetic tone, hence bradycardia and hypotension. This constellation of symptoms is known as the basal Jarish reflex. The best prophylaxis against this reflex is administration of volume, an anticholinergic agent, and paradoxically, even a beta blocker. Beyond the pearls, the anticoagulant effect of apixaban can be measured by an anti-factor 10 ASA that is appropriately calibrated for apixaban. For all regional nerve blocks, it is important to inject local anesthetic surrounding but not into the nerve bundles. Injection of local anesthetic with added epinephrine or other vasopressor can cause ischemia to areas of the body with little collateral circulation, such as the toes, fingers, and penis. Interscaling block can be complicated by pneumothorax from inadvertent pleural puncture. Should be noted, though, that the risk of pleural puncture and pneumothorax may actually be higher in supraclavicular block, given the proximity to the pleura. If you'd like to learn more about this and other topics, read our book. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Pearls podcast from Inside the Boards. This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.